Welcome everybody to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham DeWeese. Back with me once again are Matthew Page and two very special guests, including Rich Michelson and Rob English. Now, for your host, Brian, the Soul Man Solak. Wow, what an entrance. Thank you. How you guys doing? We're doing all right. I'm doing 5 and 0 all right. 5 5 and 0 all right. Yeah. 5 and 0 is better than all right. I've never I've never been five and zero all right before, guys. Feels uh, pretty good. I mean, yeah. not since nineteen ninety one. Well, I, I like the I like the timing of the bye now. It gives my heart a chance to kind of rest after all these real close finishes. Wait, who was five and zero in ninety one? The Huskies. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so a team no one cares about. Got no. it. Oh. <laughs> I just, I just like to. I hope I'm not jumping the gun here, but I just like to point out, I, even though it's only a, it's only circumstantial by way of of the of the NFL scheduling, but we have the best record in the National Football League. I just like to just really harp on that for a moment. No, please. I do. can't. I can't. <laughs> I'll I, allow it. Hang on. I mean, this isn't college <laughs> football, and this isn't the SEC loading up on three directional state colleges. I mean, they're still. NFL teams, the Dallas Cowboys actual ha- actually have players. I mean, they're not used right. They're not put in the right position to win. But, I mean, they have players. And the same is true with the Vikings. I mean, I mean, there, there's actual teams we played. Yeah, no. Belichick is never absolutely. bad. We played, we played plenty of teams. I, I just, I'm just saying that we can actually say right now, even though it's only because of, of, of the, the way the buys shake down, that, I mean, at 5-0, and oh, we have more wins than any other team in the rest of the football in the National Football League, and we have no losses. I mean, we have we are the best team in football as we speak. So I, I think that I'm gonna I'm I'm just I'm basking in the ambience of that feeling right now. I'm just loving it. I'm just you know I'm just taking a bath in it right now. When you say five and zero, oh, when you say five and zero, oh, can I just say that sounds so sexy? Five. Oh my God. <laughs> I, 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 feel, I feel sexy when I say it. You know. Well, I want to. I want to add, add to the sexiness. We have also scored the most points in the league by oh. at least uh, what five or six. Wow. Yeah. Oh Averaging thirty four points a game. Yeah, we are the uh, the next closest team is the Cowboys, and they they're about six or seven points behind us. Yeah, but we're giving up twenty seven points per game. But that's a question for that's. Before you break down the game, I, what are your thoughts on the victory over quick thoughts? I'll start with Rob over, over the Vikings 27, 26. I mean, how, how, how did you feel during the game? I mean, another close game. What are your quick thoughts? Uh, my quick thoughts on the game versus the Vikings, uh, Sunday night football. I was going into the game feeling very confident. Um, you might've heard in my podcast that I, I changed my tune on it. In our, in our previous time together, guys, you know, I, I said, you know, I'd agree with you guys. This is a game for us to be concerned about. Um, but then I had a, I had a, what I thought was an epiphany and, um, and was like, wait a minute, we shouldn't be concerned about this game. They, they should be concerned about us. You know, was what, what I came up with. Um, and then I had to proceed to put my foot in my mouth for, for three quarters of that football game. Well, until the third quarter, anyway, when we scored 21 on that 100 points. But, um, yeah, it, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, it, it, this it, here I am talking all this big stuff about our Seahawks and how unbeatable we are, and Minnesota was just taking us to task. Now, what I will say though, real quick, um, to not drone on, is that I find solace in the reality that with this new, what this new look Seattle Seahawks football team, uh, specifically with the offense. Um, you know, we, we, this is something that we, we haven't really seen before, at least not for a very long time. Uh, we still are able to hold on to that Seahawks, um, you know, that Seahawks style where we're able to pull it out in the very end, come back from behind and have Russell get us in the end zone on the, on the, at the very end of the game to get us the win, which has been our MO for the last few years. And I'm glad to know that we haven't lost that in our new style where we're, you know, playing from ahead. I like that response. How about you, Rich? I, I, are you able to get all the games down there where you live in Utah? I mean, uh, not a whole lot, but I was able to watch Sunday Night Football, of course, national broadcast, um, and it was an awesome game to watch. First of all, it was just it was it was really good. But it was one of those games where I was watching the Vikings, and I 
I had a feeling that this was like what our opponents felt like when we were watching the 2005 Seahawks where they just ran the ball down everyone's throats. And that's how I felt. I thought that this was going to be one of these games where uh, basically Minnesota was just going to keep running the ball because we just couldn't stop the run. I mean, and these were simple plays, you know, like basic draw plays, hat on hat, and we just couldn't stop them. Like they weren't doing anything fancy. Um, So I was very worried throughout the entirety of the game even after the 21-point the onslaught, I thought, okay, well, maybe the Seahawks will get back on track. And then it was just a series of bad possessions until that last drive to win it. So um, I have some major concerns. Um, I, I have read all of the, you know, the things. I've watched all the highlights on all the previous games, Heart Attack City. Um, but, like, uh, this – this defense, this defense has got to be one of the worst defenses we've ever had with a, with a good team. Like I, I can't think of a of a playoff Seahawks team that's had a defense as worrying as this for me in in my many years of, of watching the Seahawks. I totally agree with you about the defensive part, which leads me to I want to build on that the, uh, our run defense last Sunday. Is this the real run defense that we have? I mean, we've talked about it on previous weeks. I mean, their their top two backs had 37 carries for 177 yards. Abraham's is a concern. This is a huge concern, man. When we took a look at when we took a look at uh, uh, De- uh, Devin uh, <laughs> Cook, Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook. Thank you, uh, you <laughs> dude. That uh, the reason why I can't pronounce his name is because that guy is still running all over my hopes and dreams for this season. And, you know, thank God he got a groin injury because that's, that's what kind of stopped them. That's what kind of slowed them down because it sure as heck wasn't us. And it's, it's completely concerning. And all I can say is thank goodness that they have the wherewithal that Sean Snyder and Pete Carroll understand this isn't good enough. They went out and got snacks Harrison and that's what they need. That's who they need. They also need, uh, they need to find a third linebacker because I'll tell you what, uh, we we're we're thin we're thin right there and it's it's showing so i'm raising my hand go yes rob (laughs) (laughs) listen um i have to you know this this is nothing new i i I vehemently disagree with abraham deweese on this one um uh there is is there is it uh it's disconcerting to the way that that minnesota ran the ball on our defense Especially going into the game, knowing that our defense, our run defense, was was one of the best in the league. Um, but we must remember the same way that we that we you know uh, make excuses for our pass defense by um, saying you're talking about how we played from ahead. Minnesota was playing from ahead. There, you got to expect them to run the football and run it down our throats. And I mean, they had the ball two to one time of possession. So I mean, over the course of a game, now granted, Dalvin Cook didn't look like he was being stopped, but it wasn't just Dalvin Cook. It was the other two guys that were running the football as well. I can't think of their names. Madison, Madison and Boone. And, yep. Exactly. They, I mean, it didn't matter who they gave the ball to, especially as we got into the, to the, the later moments of the game. We were on the field damn near the whole game. So that was going to happen. You know, um, you know what, it, it wasn't the typical game this season where we're playing from ahead. So I, I wasn't as concerned with the fact that we got ran all over in this game. Even when we have been good against the run in previous years, there's a game here or there where teams ran on us. Um, and Dalvin Cook is no slouch, you know, and I was going to say, you know, I knew people would, would probably are probably going to say if it wasn't for the fact that Dalvin Cook went out um, at the beginning of the second half with that growing injury, maybe we wouldn't have won. But then at the same time, the other two guys did look like they didn't miss a step. So, I, you know, I think we did what we had to do to win. It wasn't pretty. Um, but I'm not as concerned about the running game as it sounds like uh, some of you guys are. I'm very I'm, confused. I'm I'm very, here hang on, hang on. If I can rebuttal for just 20 seconds, I'm very confused because everything you just said, Rob, supports my argument because we couldn't stop Dalvin Cook, because we couldn't stop the backups. I, you made a better case than I did that this is a terrible run defense. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Actually, I'll I'll make a case that it's not quite – the sky is falling across the book. Dalvin Cook averaged three point eight yards, guys. Three point right. eight, right? And then and guys average. The other great, guy was five point six. 
Yes, but against but against a beaten down, tired, broken down defense at that point in the game. Took wore them down. Right, exactly, exactly. And remember, remember, mm. in, in, in some people's opinions, and myself included, Dalvin Cook is the, currently the best running back in the game. That's a very popular opinion. It's a very popular opinion, and and he, they 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 wore us down. Like like uh, like Rob was saying, time of possession, time of possession was huge in disparity. Uh, they were, you know, they were out there. Uh, their offense was on the field for like 45, 50 minutes or, or whatever versus our like 10. It was amazing. It was, it was hugely slanted. And that's going to tucker your defense out. And that, that, that's what happened when Madison got the ball in the second half and Cook had worn him out in the, in the offense and worn him out. Now Madison was having huge holes and, and, and getting through. And, yeah, I mean, that's going to happen to the best of teams. Good. You guys agree with me. It's a terrible run defense. They've got to do better. No, I'm saying it can happen to any team. I think really? what's most important there. I think what's most important there, though, is you know, in between the twenties, you know, when you got when when you have an offense that can move with with a with any sort of pace, you know, yeah, that we gave up some big plays, but at the ends of the field, that's where the game starts to slow down just a little bit. And when we got to those situations, the defense stood up and made the play. You know, we made the play. We made a play against the quarterback who tried to, who tried to uh, run in on, uh, against us um, on, a, on a quarterback sneak. Made a play against the running back on, uh, at the end of the game. When the game slowed down just enough for that, for that D-line to get a breath and stand up and make a play, they made the play. So, I mean, yeah, the time of possession was huge in this game. We played from behind for a lot of it. Um, we, got, we got run down, you know, uh, throughout the, the, you know, the meaty parts of the game. But, you know, when it came down to it, the defense found a way to make the play on, on time. I don't know what it takes for you guys, man. I don't know how many yards they have to run against us for you to admit. It's a bad run. De- it's a bad run defense, but Rob is saying that it's a big play defense too. Opportunistic is what our defense is. We give up, yeah. we give up, we give up a lot of yards here and there. Like I said, it's that bend, but don't break mentality. And I know that a lot of teams, you know, I, I personally feel that bend, but don't break is a good way to get you uh, losing a football game. But, you know, we've that's been the Seahawks. You know, you know, a few different times. You know, over the air, over the different eras. Um, and if you can keep teams out of the end zone when it matters most, look at the Miami game. No touchdowns till, till, till garbage time. You know, when you keep them out when it matters most, that's all that matters. You know, I think Brian last week you said that yards don't matter. All that matters is points, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, so with that said, so with that said, do you think you, I don't care who chimes in on this? Somebody is this. Defense good enough to take us to the Super Bowl. I mean, we got a lot of good running backs. We're still got to face the dude from San Francisco, Moser, if I pronounce that right. I mean, uh, the Rams got a. I mean, they're not stud backs, but they have a couple decent running backs themselves. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I'm scared about this defense coming. I mean, I, I, I think Gabe said in their pre-show talk we've given up nearly 2,400 yards to date. I mean, we're on pace to give up well over 7,000 yards for the season. I mean, is that good I'm going to jump in here. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here. I think that we have proven that we have an extremely potent offense, and it is a weapon. Um, and I think this is probably, you know, probably the, one of the best Seahawks offenses going back to maybe, I mean, maybe matched only by the 2005 offense. That 2005 team used their offense as a form of defense, and I think that this team is going to have to do that. They're going to have to learn how to be explosive at times, but also how to hold the ball, let Russell Wilson sit in the pocket, do his three-step drops, pick a defense apart, but hold on to the ball longer on each possession so that the defense has real game time to rest, not not just like clock time. Like I don't really care about real uh, the actual clock time, but actual real game time, um, so that they can actually catch their breath. If they don't find a way to do that, this defense cannot take us to the Super. Bowl. Rich, do you understand what you're asking? You're asking you're asking them to go to conservative, and to get away no. from let Russ cook. No, 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 no. Yes, you are. No, no. I am saying that they need to be smarter with their clock management between plays. Instead of snapping the ball with 15 seconds left on the play clock. Run it down to zero. But I don't think that's what ru- let Russ Cook means. I feel like it's a – Rob, Matt, what do you guys think? I I, I, was, I think of it as more of a hurry-up offense. 
Well, I, 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 I hear what he's saying. I, I, I get what he's saying. You know, you know, control the ball, control time of possession. We don't want to end up in a situation like we were on Sunday night. Um, you know, or at Minnesota least have a little more balance. Right, like, right. 50-50. You know, our, our offense came out stagnant on, on Sunday night. Um, and so, you know, when you're, when you're going three and out, um, you know, and giving the ball right back to the other team, you know, it, 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 it's tough to really get anything going. Pete's talked about this many times over the years. You, you know, you can't, you can't convert. I mean, remember, we were 0 for, what was the final total? 0 for 7, seven. over 9, something like that seven. on third down? Yep. On, 0 for 7? I mean, that, I mean, how do you win a football game going 0 for on third down? That, 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 that's unheard of. Like, nobody wins a football game going 0 for on third down. We managed to we figure out a way to do it. But, you know, we, we have to sustain drive, I think is what he's trying to get at here. We have to have sustain drive, and we have to slow the game down, run the play clock down to, you know, three, four, you know, four, five, four, four, five, four, three, two, one second before you snap the ball. I think is what you're trying to say, right? Just yeah, give, I mean, give the defense time off the field to yeah. rest. And, and right. look, you have Russell Wilson as your quarterback, okay, mm-hmm. at his peak. Right. He is probably not going to get any better in the combination between mental acumen and physical acumen. I mean, this year, next year, maybe another year. That's it, right? And then it's a, a long, slow decline. So if you don't trust Russell Wilson to run this offense, like just say, do anything you want, Russ, basically, right? If you don't trust him, then you have major problems as, as an organization, let him figure it out. He can call all the plays. He should know all the audibles. He should be able to run this offense like a finely tuned violin in the hands of a awesome violinist. Okay, that was a bad analogy. Totally. I must. I, I must. I must chime in there, though. I, and, and and if I'm if I'm taking what you're saying incorrectly, you can you can correct me. Um, but I, I hear that a lot, where they say that Russell Wilson you know, is, is, is so good and he's, he's so good at this and so good that he should be allowed to call plays and call his own plays and things like that. And that, that really isn't how that, – that really isn't so realistic in football. Qu- quarterbacks, even the best quarterbacks, don't necessarily call their own plays. Now, quarterbacks have the, have the ability in the end and the, um, they're, they're given the, the autonomy, if you will, to make to make checks at the line of scrimmage and, and, and check out of plays and things like that. And depending on the quarterback, you're given more or less leeway. But quarterbacks calling their own plays in the huddle is not really is not really um, a, a, a thing, you know, at least not very often. So um, I, I don't necessarily think that's that's what needs to happen. Um, I think it's more about. I mean, you must remember too. You know, you got to get a feel for the game. Sometimes speeding things up is, is what you need. If you get the defense on their heels, you want to speed the game up and snap that ball quick, and and not allow them time to, to make you know to make changes to personnel and things like that. So you got you got to factor that in as well. I think that we just we just um didn't we came out kind of flat on Sunday night, and 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 that would be the first time this season where we just really came out flat and really weren't able to make any corrections until the half. And hopefully we don't see it again, um, especially considering uh, you know after this bye week coming up, we've got a, we've got a, a rough stretch. Yeah, we do. Um, uh, moving on, I last week we talked about Cody Barton. I, I, I want to bring him up real quick. Um, he, I know our defense was on the field what forty five fifty minutes up during the football game, but Cody Barton and had fourteen tackles, nine solo. I, I was impressed. I, I don't know what are you guys' thoughts. How about you, Rob? I, I was I was extra imp- impressed with Cody Barton, especially considering that last week, um, if you looked on the interweb, people wanted his head. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, pe- people were, were very disenchanted with Cody Barton coming out of that Miami game. So, um, yeah, Cody Barton, I, I think the ball was just – it was more of a situation where the ball just came to him. But, hey, he yeah. made the tackle. You know what I mean? And, and, that, and, that's, and that's what it's all about. Um, so, I, I, was, I was happy for Barton – um, I think you said that he had 14 uh, combined, nine solo. Is that what it was? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah that, that, that's great. You know, that's great. And uh, I, if I remember correctly, a couple of them were, were you know, pretty open field. So, um, yeah, no, I think Cody Barton had a great game. It definitely did a lot to, to settle my nerves with regard to him because I was a little unsure about him coming out of that, after that, that tackle that he didn't make on, um, on Matt Breida against Miami. 
I was like, okay, what, what's going on with Cody Barton? Um, but, um, yeah, no, Cody Barton had a great day, and I think that's uh, you know, going to bode well for him moving on. Absolutely. How about you, Matt? I have been high on Barton for a while, and I'm, I'm glad he's finally getting the opportunity. And he tied Bobby Wagner for tackles uh, that game, which is esteemed company, um, best linebacker in football and, uh, you know, best ball hawk in football. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm glad he's getting the, the chance here with, uh, because you've all heard what I think of Mr. Brooks and how he can't line or back. And, um, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping that they, uh, I'm hoping that they, they continue to give Barton a shot. Um, you know, obviously some injuries are going to get him in more regularly than they would have, but, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged. I, I think, you know, yeah, he, he made a mistake. He learned he's young. He'll bounce back, and he did bounce back in a big way uh, from the Breda tackle, missed tackle, like you're talking about. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see him out there. I, I do want to say just real quick, though, because we, we were poo-pooing on Mr. Jaron Reed, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, about how he has been basically non-existent in the Seahawks defense. Oh, um, Jaron Reed made some pretty big tackles in the backfield um, or, you know, at the line of scrimmage on, on Sunday night. So I want to just give him a little shout-out. Uh, yeah, because we, we, he's probably listening to the podcast. So thanks for listening, Mr. <laughs> Reed, um, and stepping up in a big way because you were everywhere, and you give you deserve full credit for that. Quick note on that. Uh, quick note on that fourth yeah. and inches play. Uh, if you watch that play again, that run to the right side was sealed off by Cody taking out the blocker on the right hand side. So I think that was the tight end, and he forced. He forced the running back to go back inside where um, he was cleaned up, and basically we took over and won the game. So thumbs up for him. Absolutely. Uh, here's one for you, Abraham. Question for you: L.J. Collier finally had a get oh, a sack. Yes. What, what are your thoughts? Is this a coming out game? Oh well, I I find it just just so fantastically amazing that our what is it fifth round pick Nalton. Alton Robinson had a sack before LJ Collier ever did. So thank you, LJ Collier. And I, I do admit his game is looking better, but this is not a superstar in the making. This is a, at best, and I'm hoping for this, I really do hope for this, at best, this is a journeyman defensive lineman, just a guy. Like I'd take, uh, I, would, I would take Rocky, okay. I'd, take, I'd take Rocky Bernard, off the 2005 Seahawks team over him. <laughs> Just Anybody right now, did, today? Yeah, go ahead. Even today. Right now, wow. Yes, right this yeah. Today. <laughs> when he's, you know, 50 and, and has arthritis in every joint because of his football mm-hmm. days. <laughs> With that said, I, I, I'm curious. Alton Robinson, you brought him up. Are they going to give him more playing time? I mean, we talked about this before. The guy looks good on the field when he actually gets to play. I mean, what do you think, Rob? You know, uh, I, to your point, I, I feel like we haven't seen enough from him. Um, you know, I haven't, I, ha- I can't make a decision on whether I think that he's just been the fortunate benefactor of just, you know, being on the field and the play coming to him or, or, or whether he's actually a force, um, you know, whether he's actually a force on the line. Um, so for me, the jury's out on Alton Robinson. I, I, it, you know, every time somebody makes a play, you want to think that, okay, hey, you know, he's, he, he's doing something, you know, but how often is it, you know, did you really overpower that lineman and, and get to the ball, you know, you know, see ball, get ball, or did the play come to you and, and you just, you know, make the tackle, be, you know, is a low-hanging fruit, if you will, you know. So, um, yeah, for me, jury's out in Robinson. I haven't seen enough, um, but, you know, I, w- I would tell him if he was here, like, I got my eye on you, buddy. There you go. I like that. How about you, Rich? Have you been able to watch our rookies like him or anybody stand out to you in general? Just curiosity. Um, no, I mean, honestly, no one stood out to me other than like Bobby Wagner and, and uh, Cody Barton. Uh, honestly, like th- they seem to be the class of the bunch uh, on the defense. I-, I will say this, that I, I did think that um, I did think that Elton Robinson played well uh, and was was in good position. Like he he may he was involved in three plays, a tackle and two uh, two assists, right? So at least he made what was there. He he capitalized on a low hanging fruit. Let's just be aware that there are players that cannot do that. Um, 
So we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll see. The jury's out, I think. Yep. Understood. How about you, Matt? You disagree or do you agree? No, I I, I like what I've seen. Um, you know, he's not the he's not the rookie. Um, we're talking about um, Robinson. He I've liked what I've seen, but I haven't. Uh, and I agree with Abraham that it's nice to see that he got his first sack. Um, what only like in his second game or whatever when LJ Collier took <clears throat> a year and a half or something. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, no. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm optimistic there. I'm still waiting to be honest. I'm still waiting on Daryl Taylor when he shows up. He's going to be a big reinforcement. He was the draft pick I was most excited about on the on the defensive line. And he's on the non-football injury list, and he'll should be, he should be back. I think in week seven, nine or ten. Seven is what they said. Last said. Seven. Okay. Oh, okay. Right I'm on. Looking forward to him. We're you know this defense needs some help. It needs some help up the middle. We got snacks and and um, you know that's going to help out. But we also we're we're going to need some more linemen, and they're they're coming. So, you know, I don't know. You, you bring up snacks. They brought them up earlier, too. But, I mean, I, I was excited at the signing, but then every article I read online, he's extremely overweight. I mean, well, that's what we need. We need a big nose tackle body right in the middle that they have to run around. So, Pete, Car- <laughs> Pete Carroll has always been into this tilting the field. He might actually literally tilt the field. So, there's that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, like we'll that, have to uh, see. Uh, that nose tackle for the Green Bay Packers in their heyday. I'm trying to think of his name. B.J. Raji? B- no, not yeah. B.J. Raji. Oh, man. B.J. Raji oh, was yeah. my just favorite like player. As far as size. Just size. Yeah, he was just huge. The not, the, not the ability. He could have sumo wrestled. I thought you were talking about Gilbert Brown. Oh, him too. He I came after. Too, yeah. yeah. No, Gilbert Brown was before, before. Was before, before B.J. Yeah. Raji, yeah. But I like B.J. Raji because he's famous for the one play where he caught the interception off Tony Romo and ran in for a pick six. And all I heard was Joe Buck saying, there's no way Tony Romo could have seen him. And I'm like, he's the biggest player on the field. (laughs) (laughs) He's 30 pounds bigger than anyone else. (laughs) Uh, Rob, have you looked into Snacks Harrison? I mean, do you agree with what they're saying? Is he going to tilt the field or is he going to help us out? What? Um, you know, like I said, I, I we talked uh, the other week about about snacks, and um, you know, I haven't you know seen uh, really anything from him yet. I'm I'm hoping he's just going to be part of the rotation. Um, he's a large fella, I'll give you that. Um, and I'm I'm hoping maybe his hopefully his strength, you know, matches his his size. Um, so you know, so so he can actually be a force in the middle of that defensive line. That, yeah, we talked about last week about how yeah, he's his official position is, is a uh, um, nose tackle, right? So, I mean, whereas we, we don't run a 3-4, so we don't really have a nose tackle position. But still, being on the in- interior line, um, you know, hopefully if, if he's just a, a hard body to move out of the way, you know, hope maybe we don't have a day like we did against uh, Minnesota on Sunday night where they just ran the ball all over us, even if we are playing from behind. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really anxious to see what we're, uh, we're going to, uh, you know, get from Snacks. Um, and hopefully it's not a, you know, a fool's errand as my friend Abraham Dewey likes to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well said, well said. Um, I'm going to switch back to the offense now. Um, obviously Metcalf is becoming our number one receiver. If he isn't already, he's going to be, uh, looks like Lockett's been, you know, double teamed the last couple of weeks. I mean, prove me wrong, but his lack of production is down. Moving forward, do you see teams, you know, focusing on Metcalf, opening up more catches for Lockett. I mean, I like to see Lockett, you know, turn around, turn the season around. And I mean, what are you guys' thoughts? Is Lockett gonna? Are they gonna st- stop double teaming him? How about you, Abe? Uh, first, I want a public apology from Matthew Page because I told Matthew Page I did. Don't you? Don't you smile at me. I, I know we're on the radio, but I know you're smiling. I'm not right smiling. Now. I have a confused face right now. I don't know what, what, what you're demanding. Get, get I said DK Metcalf was going to be better than that Yabo from the 49ers. Um, and you said, no, Metcalf's ceiling is not as great as, uh, oh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Debo, Debo Samuel. Samuel. Yeah. And who's who, been hurt and hasn't played this year, and he doesn't have a quarterback. That'll teach him to get hurt and have a lousy quarterback. So 
The yeah, point well. is, DK Metcalf is outshining him. I was right. You were wrong. Well, I want to. I want to make a point here. We're in year two for both players, so we're you know still there, there's a whole career to come. I'm just saying, theoretically. Anyways, a back to my question. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Is <laughs> Lock off topic for a minute? Are they going to stop double teaming Lockett? I mean, are we going to see the Lockett? I mean, this is, he is playing great ball, but are we going to see more? production there i have never seen this before with any seahawks team ever we you know even with largent and uh daryl sweet feet turner, turner and yep. you know joey galloway well Joey galloway i've never had anybody to play with um but you know daryl jackson um and uh corn robinson this is the best pair of receivers the seahawks have ever seen at one time and there is no possible way you don't have enough players to cover both these guys i love it and i do it Double team Metcalf, I dare you. I I have something to say here. I want I want to say that the smart defense would would keep the double team on Lockett because I still think he's more dangerous than than DK Metcalf. I think Metcalf is dangerous. Don't get me wrong, and I love him. I, he's amazing, but he's a deep threat kind of guy. And Lockett can pick you apart any part of the field. He can find the seam. He can find the spot in the, in the zone. He's everywhere. And if you only single-team him, he's going to pick you apart. And Russell, this year, along with Schottenhammer, has shown that they're willing to actually throw short passes, which is amazing. And, and so Lockett, if he gets, if he gets only single-teamed, they're going to tear that defense, that secondary, apart. And I would love to see it. So I, what I say is, go ahead and double, co- double coverage Metcalf, because it'll just, it'll just, in, Lockett will just have fun. And what, what about you, Mr. English? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think if I was a defense playing against our Seahawks, um, I would if I was going to double team anyone, I would double team Tyler Lockett, um, it, only because you know I mean Metcalf, where his you know his, his learning of the route tree is is I mean he's he's growing by leaps and bounds, but his real danger is over the top, um, and and you can you can manage to double team uh, a number one receiver and still manage to keep a cover on a, on a second guy. Um, you know, even if it's just enough, just shade just enough to keep a quarterback from tossing it down the field to him, or you know, so I, I you got it, you got to double team Tyler Lockett. If if you take the double off Lockett, he will destroy you all and, and all all over the field. He's going to run slants, he's going to run comebacks, he's going to run you know, five, ten, fifteen, you know, uh, ins and outs. You know, he, he's there's there's no route that Tyler Lockett can't run, and if you have him one on one, he he beat almost any corner i can't think of a corner who he can't beat and in the zone he's going to find the space um yeah lockett is certainly certainly the the more dangerous receiver we have big play probably dk um so i i really think it's kind of a pick your poison thing truthfully i think that you know if if they really start going after the, the passing game the the running game should open up um and it seemed that that was the case in the first half on Sunday night so I'm not sure why the running game just you know really didn't come to form um but I really do feel like the way that our offense has performed this this season so far that if you commit too much to stopping Russell Wilson throwing the ball I don't know how you're going to stop Chris Carson well said what about you Rich what are your thoughts I mean what are you seeing in Lockett and Metcalf um, I have seen a dynamic duo. I have to agree with Abe. I hate to do it, but it's true. This is the best <laughs> duo we've had. I would like to highlight uh, something that I'm just looking at the stats because I, I had a feeling watching the games that I thought that David Moore had actually performed really, really well, and I wasn't aware of his stats. But, guys, 17.3 yards per catch, two touchdowns, long of 57 I think we need to get him on the field more with three receivers. He looks like he's productive, um, and I think that that, that would be able, allow them to stretch the field. Because, I mean, obviously Metcalf can stretch it. We know Tyler Lockett can stretch it. But um, uh, Moore seems to be able to find those, those open spaces and, and be the guy that uh, get the ball and, and not drop it. So, I mean – I mean, I know that's a low standard, but like getting open and not dropping the ball is kind of a job description of a wide receiver. So, if I uh, if I can if I can jump in again, yeah, I I want I just want to double down on that. You know, um, we talked uh, it was last week or a couple weeks ago about um, 
who's gonna, who could be that third guy for us? You know, we talked, we mentioned the Rams and yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, who could be that third guy? And, and David Moore, you know, I don't know that he's necessarily a marquee level player, but what he has done is shown that in the, in, in the stead of, of DK Metcalf or, or Tyler Lockett, that third guy, I mean, you can't guard everyone, right? And so, and in, when he's given the opportunity, he capitalizes all but every single time. And that's what you, I mean, you can't really ask for much more uh, than that from a third wide receiver, right? Yeah. Agreed. Uh, but I have to, I have to give, I want to give a shout out to Freddie Swain as well. Freddie Swain has stepped up in a big way. He's only, he's only been targeted eight times. He's caught seven of them for 97 yards. It's a 13, four, almost 14 yeah, yard average for carry to touchdown. He's a rookie. He's learning. Um, and I've, I've been thoroughly impressed with him. I wasn't too impressed with him when we picked him, but I, I was, I, I have to admit, it looked like I was pretty wrong. No, um, and I'm happy to be wrong on that. Well, well, we'll say you're wrong, Matt, just for, because you usually are. <laughs> I, I, you know, I live my life in that that, that category a lot. If oh, Levin yeah. Swain is wrong, I don't want to be right. I was just going to say, no, you bring up a good point, and I hate to hate to agree with anybody on this show, but the idea that uh, you get a third receiver who can do something, think back 2005 when you had Bobby Ingram and Daryl Jackson. Who was the number three receiver? Ooh. Joe Jerovicious. Oh, Jerovicious, okay. that's right. Led the team in TD, so everybody trying to double down on Daryl Jackson and Bobby Ingram, they forgot about good old Joe. Over from Tampa Bay, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, and, and pro, you know, professional quarterback's job is to find out who's one-on-one, right? Like, where, where's the one-on-one coverage and throw the ball to that receiver in general? And so, I mean, yeah, you can double, t- you can double team Lockett, you can double team Metcalf, you can put us, you know, maybe an extra person to bump Greg Olson. But, uh, yeah, we've got some other guys that seems like they can actually catch the ball and do something with it, which is refreshing. With, with that said, do we want Josh Gordon back if they let him back in the league? I mean, it sounds like we have good enough receivers from what you guys are telling me. Oh. If we, we could add him. I'll take him. I mean, what's another weapon? What you know? What's wrong with that? Uh, I, I, I vote yes. Um, I have to admit, though, I – Right now, I am kind of disappointed in the production from our tight end that we signed for $8 million in the offseason that I was yelled at for <laughs> being 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 uh, critical of the signing. We'll uh, still yell at you. No one, yeah, yelled, you no one yelled, yelled at, at you. Oh, I was, I was told that I was not allowed to criticize uh, Greg Olson in any way and that I was wrong and that he was a great signing whatsoever. He hasn't hurt us. He just hasn't really made a big impact. We did tell you you're wrong, but we didn't yell at you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, speaking real quick about the 2005 offense, I think this team, this 2005 offense is superior in every way except for one position, and that is the backup quarterback because you can never get better than Seneca Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that was pretty good backup. <laughs> Wait, All right, next I question. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you're going to Sen- take – you're gonna Seneca, take. You're gonna contest Seneca Wallace? No, I'm Absolutely. contesting Chris Carson I, I, I and gotta, Sean Alexander. No, no, listen, Seneca Wallace in, in Seneca Wallace's opportunities as at, as a starter, I believe when Hasselbeck had gotten down and Seneca Wallace uh, started, I think got a few games. Uh, he he left a lot to be desired for me. I think our best backup quarterback, at least recently, had to be Tavares Jackson. Uh, I, I I I'm I've been team Tavares. I was all about having Tavares play. You have to have the starting role and take these Seahawks to the promised land before the Russell Wilson conversation came up. I was all about Tavares Jackson. Well, I had no. I I absolutely agree. I love T Jack, but uh, I'm, I was comparing it to the 2005 team. So oh, okay. if the direct comparison between Seneca Wallace and Geno Smith, I would choose Seneca Wallace a hundred times out of a hundred. Hey, no one's going to bring up Matt Flynn. No one's going <laughs> to no. bring him up. No, no one will ever bring up Matt Flynn no after that. You won't. Shame you will not hear that, that name. You will not hear that name on this podcast. Yeah, shame. That's shame, getting scrubbed. Shame. <laughs> That's getting scrubbed out. I bought we're that for you that, as. We're going to edit this whole section out. Rich, I bought that for you as a joke. Okay, first of all. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, 
moving on. Um, I, I do have to ask this question. Abe threatened to fire me if I didn't. Um, <laughs> why? Why did? Why the Seahawks use these action green jerseys? I'm just doing it because I was told. So you guys have thoughts on those? Because they keep winning. I love the action green jerseys. I love them. I love yeah, them. Awesome. I love the combination action green with the with the uh, with the, the navy pants. I that that's I think that's the best uniform combination in football. To be honest, I, I don't necessarily like action green on top and bottom, but the green on blue. Oh my gosh, it's my favorite. How about you, Matt? Um. Well, being being uh, an Oregon Duck, I, I usually do opt for the crazy colors, but in this situation. I'm not a big fan, I have to admit. I, I, I like the standard, just blue. Um, definitely not the gray, either. I hate the gray uniforms. <laughs> Go with blue, stick with blue, and, and, and get white if you're going to be the away team. Don't go with that gray. I hate that gray. What's it with the gray? Looks but like no, somebody, green, didn't, looks like somebody a, didn't do the laundry is what that gray looks like. Well, no, you want to you want to you want to see a, someone who didn't do the laundry. You should look at the Rams what they wore this last week. It looks <laughs> it looks even worse than our gray jerseys. Our gray jerseys are almost like a gray blue. Theirs look like legitimately like someone like threw dirty socks in with a load or something. It's weird. <laughs> are you yeah. satisfied? Go ahead. I, I sorry, just, I was just going to say that the gray jerseys belong in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Road grays. That's fair. Fair. Road gray. Okay. Abra, are you satisfied with those answers, or am I going to keep my No, job? I'm not satisfied. Damn it! <laughs> Why would I write this question if <laughs> I was satisfied? No. Don't worry, Solak. <laughs> He's threatened to fire me about ten thousand times over the past ten years. <laughs> so, look, Abra. next year they're reversing the rule on helmets. Right now, the rule on helmets is that you have to stick with the same helmet that you've had since training camp. Next year, they're going to allow for multiple helmet variations. I am hoping. That means throwback jerseys. That'd be cool. That'd be that would sweet. be awesome. That would be interesting. Um, I, I'd be in full support of that. <clears throat> the silver helmets. I've Absolutely. seen. I've seen the mock-ups on on like Facebook and you know so on and so forth. People uh, put Russell Wilson in the in the throwback blue and and the silver pants and the, oh yeah that look, it looks really cool like I, I would love to see it I mean it, it's just you know for nostalgia if, if nothing else it'd just be really cool to see so Rob uh, right I think uh, we're coming up on time for you aren't we yes yes we are I'd hate I'd hate to uh bow out before uh, before the end of the clock but I do uh, need to run on today's show oh appreciate your input thank you not a problem at all not a problem at all always a pleasure Take care, Rob. Take care. Right, have thanks, a good Rob. Day. All right, all right let's right, talk about all the things he got wrong. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I got, I got time. I got time. <laughs> all right, guys. You guys take care. I'll talk to you guys. Do you want to, uh, Rob? Do you want to? Do you want to plug your podcast before you leave? Yes, please. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Make sure you guys uh, uh, follow, like, subscribe to uh, Short Yardage, uh, my podcast. You can catch it on uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean. Um, you can uh, hear all my uh, unlicensed professional opinion on the Seattle Seahawks and um, and uh, the goings on there. So yeah, please uh, you know take a listen and uh, like and subscribe. All right, appreciate that. Have a good week. All right, take care, guys. Later. I I I do have some NFL questions for you guys, but I have one soccer question I'd like to ask our expert, Rich, if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um. I don't know why it just popped out. I mean, but I was looking at this, uh, the divisions today and looking at the records. There's, there's 20, what, 26 teams in the MLS. Why mm -hmm. is there only, why is there only two divisions? Why aren't they broken out? That is a very good question. But, uh, one of the reasons is that, um, major league soccer has tried to have something of a balanced schedule within, uh, each of the conferences, something like, uh, I mean, kind of like the American American League and the National League, where you you do play interleague play, but uh, at a more limited basis. Um, right now, in a normal season, last year you play every team in the opposite conference once, um, kind of alternating home and away. So you, um, you know, you you go to Toronto once a year or once every other year, and they come to Seattle once every other year. 
And that's, uh, that's been a pattern for, for some time. Um, Major League Soccer hasn't had an actual balance schedule since 2014, uh, which was the year the Sounders actually won the Supporter Shield as the best uh, regular season team um, in, in Major League Soccer. Uh, of course, they got knocked out by the evil, evil galaxy in the playoffs. Um, but since then, they've had an unbalanced schedule. And had you play the people in your conference um, at least twice, home and home, and then um, a few rivals that are basically the the biggest uh, the biggest uh, ratings games you can get. Think Seattle, Portland, L.A., L.A., Seattle, L.A., et cetera. You know, stuff that you can put on sun, Sunday afternoon on, on national television and get uh, at least some ratings. Um, so they've 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 hyped up those games a, a bit more this year. Everything's just foobar. Um, but, uh, that's the main reason, um, for that. So you kind of also run into American traditions in sports. Mm -hmm. Think about the country. What's the largest country in Europe? Probably Germany, like physical, physical, you know, geography wise, those, those teams are all within the same time zone. And yeah, if you have an East and West, you kind of account for the time zones a little bit. Additionally, you're kind of looking at best case scenario would be that the MLS has only 18 teams and given to Rich's point, you'd play every team home at home. And that would be like the, that, that would be the ultimate best because then nobody, nobody could claim, Oh, well, you know, we played in a weak division, that kind of thing. So they stick with two conferences and try not to break it out into divisions to avoid those like look at the NFC East for football right now. Yeah. Um, nobody deserves to go to the playoffs from that division. And that's what the, that's, that's what the MLS is trying to trying to prevent because they refuse to go yeah. to the model of a uh, regular season winner. They, they, they want to, they want to playoff. That's a different argument yeah. as to whether that's good or bad. Yeah. Um, one other thing, just to echo the, the geography thing, just imagine if you will, a map of Europe and then I'm going to make you do a horrible thing and imagine a map of Texas. And if you overlay them, the state of Texas stretches from uh, about a third of the way down from Italy all the way north to the North Sea and from about two-thirds of the way across France uh, all the way across Germany and into Poland and Czech Republic and Austria. And that's just the state of Texas. Wow. So it's, it's an enormous physical space that the United States takes up. We just don't realize it because we're Americans. And um, the travel, you know, especially for Major League Soccer, um, this is actually the very first year that they've ever done uh, chartered flights. Um, Previously, there was a restriction on how many they could do. And so you don't have the lap of luxury like you do with the NFL and, you know, it's not like baseball where, yeah, you're traveling every three days, but pretty much so is everyone else. And, you know, it's, it's not a, you know, fly into a place and then turn around and fly out, right? I mean, you're, you're there at least for three or four days while you play, play a series okay. of games. So it's, it's uh, and then the other thing, just one last thing is, I mean, these guys run between five and seven miles in, in every soccer match. And so that's, and that's at a high level of intensity. You know, they're not usually taking very much time off. That's just exhausting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and I mean, the, the toll on your body is is a tremendous. It's it's very much um, like a, a an American football match. And this year, Major League Soccer especially is playing uh, basically every three days. They're going Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, or Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, um, because they lost so many games uh, due to the, the lockdowns from coronavirus. So um, they're also playing uh, geographically close teams. So the Sounders have kind of gotten a short end of the stick. They played the toughest schedule in Major League Soccer by far. Because um, they, get, they keep they getting play. stuck with LAFC and Portland. LAFC every other and week. Portland and uh, and the galaxy. And I think the weakest team we've played has been Vancouver. Okay. And, and one game, I think maybe against Colorado, but that got canceled because Colorado's got COVID. So, 
Uh, really quick, I mean, give us an update on our Sounders. I see that they're in first place. I mean, what's going on with our Sounders? They are, they are the soccer equivalent of the Seahawks this year. They are exciting. They're the top scoring team in the league um, and have the best goal differential. So add up the goals, subtract the ones you give up. That's your goal differential. And the Sounders okay. uh, sit atop the schedule, uh, I think, with a plus 18 goal differential through, uh, I think, like 20, uh, 20 games here. I'm wow. actually it up. Yeah, they're, they're scoring goals at a tremendous rate. Uh, they don't have as many points uh, as the teams in the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference has four really strong teams, um, but then a whole bunch of just bottom feeders that are horrible, just dreadfully terrible teams. They have two teams, uh, just for some perspective, with negative 18 and negative 17 goal differentials. Wow, that's a yeah. huge difference. That's a huge difference. <laughs> The Sounders, the Sounders have a plus eighteen goal differential, and um, oh my God, yeah. the yeah, Sounders the do. West is just a better team. The Sounders do also have They're a similarity better. with the, the Seahawks in that their defense is suspect. In fact, they've had to go, they've had to go and uh, get in the DeLorean and go back to the future to get uh, Roman <laughs> Torres and um, Brad Evans Brad just recently. So there, there's. Okay. They're they're going to win games by outscoring people, just like the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, here's the thing, though. Um, the Sounders head coach Brian Schmetzer is a def- defense first coach, and he has shown historically, even when the team has been sh- uh, giving up a bunch of goals, that he can turn things around on the defensive side of the things. And there has been some improvement. They were dreadful in June and July when they were at the, the tournament in Orlando. And since then, they have improved quite a bit. Um, and their like, third center back, Shane O'Neill, has deputized and been at least halfway decent. Um, Roman Torres is coming back, so that should push him down. So the depth got a little bit better. And then Brad Smith, not Brad Evans. Brad, Brad Evans is in the broadcast booth, Abe. He's, uh, he's on the Steve Zakawani train at this point. Um, <laughs> Sorry. But he... No, no, he's and he's excellent there. Really, he he really is quite excellent. Um, uh, I I I must say that we're actually very blessed with Zakawani and Evans, and cursed with um, oh crud, our goalkeeper that hates the Sounders, um, Keller, Keller, Casey Keller, who just always has negative things to say about the team. Um, but I'll get off that soapbox. But they're they're very exciting. Um, so that's that's good. One small uh, setback, not small, big setback. Raul Ruiz Diaz went away on international duty and caught COVID nineteen while he was in Peru. Uh oh. Um, so he's going to be quarantined. The good news is he doesn't seem to be having any. He, he seems to be non symptomatic. Okay. So that is a good development. But he'll still have to quarantine there for a bit and then quarantine um, here for a few days. So he's going to miss a few matches, but uh, thankfully it doesn't look like it's going to be as bad as we had originally feared as far as time time spent away. Um, one other thing that's kind of fun, the Portland Timbers are in second place in the Western Conference, um, and so they are neck and neck, and the Sounders tend to do better when the Timbers are good. So I think that we're going to continue to see uh, the Sounders continue to perform well. And um, other than two small uh uh, younger players that don't really contribute that much. Everyone's healthy, so that's that's a that's a good one too. Outstanding, excellent, excellent analysis as always. Thank you for that. Sure thing. Uh, Abe, do I got time for a couple quick NFL questions? Yeah, we got about ten more minutes. Yeah, go for it. All, all right, um, Matthew Page, this one for you, buddy. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys lost Dak Prescott for the season. Should we be concerned? Should we be concerned? Well, no. well, oh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Should Dallas be concerned? Okay. Um, it, well, Dallas should be concerned because Prescott is a great is a great great guy, and it was really unfortunate to, to, to have that happen to him. He's loved throughout the sport. Everyone really hated to see him in in, in that situation. Um, but hopefully, he'll be back next year. Um, but the reality is. There's a reason why they're paying for uh, Andy Dalton as their backup. And Andy Dalton 
is a very underappreciated quarterback. I think they're going to be just fine. In fact, they might be slightly better off. I, I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, they're going to have to lean more on the running, which is who they really are. And and so Ezekiel Elliott, the, the thing we saw when they were when they were visiting us and we were playing them is they didn't use Ezekiel Elliott at all. Like they kept trying to throw the, the screens to him, but Dak kept missing him, or the blockers weren't there. We read it right completely immediately. They weren't handing the ball off to him, and they weren't letting him get going. And he's the absolute necessity cog to that offense. And I think now they're going to have to lean on him. And I think they're I think they're going to be fine. I think people are overestimating things there because I think uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Um, Mr. Dalton is is better than than people give him credit for. Anybody agree or disagree? Yeah, sounds, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's it's right. it, the thing with the especially with the thing about Ezekiel Elliott. You got the, a premier running back, and you choose to use him as a dump off. You know, uh, third down back. It's, yeah, it's horrible. Sense. Uh, with that said, uh, moving on, Le'Veon Bell, running back for the New York Jets, was cut this week, but today he's signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Does that make Kansas City a better football club? Uh, Abraham. Uh, Le'Veon Bell hasn't been an MVP-level player since 2017 when he ran for over 1,000 yards and had, I think, almost 1,000 yards receiving, maybe if not more. Um, there is a huge red flag when the Steelers dump somebody. I am willing to listen uh, based off their track record about players. When they dump players, they don't end up good anymore. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like when Bilicek dumps a player, (laughs) there's a reason there's a very good reason. And, yeah, if if he can't get along with coaches, if he's going to sit there and whine that he doesn't get twenty five carries and you know ten receptions every game, then best of luck to him because he's not going to get it in Kansas City. Maybe after being dumped twice, maybe he has a little bit of humility and can turn his career around. We've seen it before, but I'm I'm not expecting anything out of him. I mean, they already got a good back, Abe, but why not put Le'Veon as a third down back? The guy can catch the football. Doesn't that just make them more dangerous on offense? Yeah, you know, if you take if you take out of the equation his constant complaining and backstabbing and <laughs> and yelling at coaches and that kind of thing, if you take all that away, he's a great guy. He sounds like Beckham. Uh, I, have to, I was going to say that Andy Reid seems to have a – uh, an ability to get the best out of uh, ca- people that have bad character. I'll agree with that. I was I was gonna say that yeah, there, there's there's one aspect Abe isn't considering here, and his name is Adam Gase, and he's the least competent uh, NFL quarter, uh, coach at the moment, and by far, and. He doesn't know how to use his players. He doesn't know how to run a team, and he doesn't know how to be a coach. And I don't know why he's currently uh, still there. I'm surprised he hasn't been fired yet. He's going to be the next coach fired. I'll, I'll put money down on that. Um, and uh, the the reality is that he's now going to Andy Reid, who is, by all all accounts, and I will absolutely stand by this, he's an offensive genius. The man always builds an amazing offensive attack wherever he is. And, and uh, he does it with, with his, whatever he wants. And, and he, with the pieces he puts together, it, it, it all works. And adding this player, you know, he's going to, he's going to use him how he should be used. And, and I think he's going to, he's, you know, he's going to play a small part because, you know, they, they've got um, their new Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's amazing. And they've got Daryl Williams, who's been a really solid third down back as well. Um, but I think Andy's going to get him the ball in a few key paces and, and yeah, he might use him as a screen back or whatever, but I, I think he makes Kansas city more dangerous. And I, and I trust Andy Reid to actually use him. Whereas Adam Gase just didn't know how to put a tie of shoes. I mean, with the esteemed yeah. gentleman from Everett, Washington is, 
has, has failed to understand is that it's not just an Adam Gase thing. It's Mike Tomlin as well, who might be the second best players coach in football next to Pete Carroll. And, you know, if he's, if, if he's getting into, into arguments with Mike Tomlin, Andy Reid doesn't put up with anything, man. Andy Reid no, he has rules with an iron fist. He'll find his butt cucked if he cut if he uh, if he speaks out. But he left he left Pittsburgh because he thought he you know he was the MVP. He was the best player in the league, and he felt he deserved ridiculous amounts of money in a league that does not value running backs anymore at all. And so you know he he was he was misguided by his agents or by his hubris, whatever. But um, you know they, that's why they said okay, fine. And the Jets paid an obscene amount. To get him, and everyone in the league was like, wow, that's a bad contract, <laughs> like the millisecond they heard about it. And it took the Jets two years to figure out that it was a bad contract. To quote <clears throat> but Mike my Le- point is, is Andy, Andy Reid is an offensive genius, and he will use him to, to good effect. To quote Mike Leach, to paraphrase Mike Leach, uh, Bell is fat and happy, fat, dumb, and happy, because he's got, <laughs> he's got, his, he's got his pay, he's got his checks, uh, unless, he ring. unless he, unless he gets over himself, he, he's not going to get that ring. He's going to get cut. Like you said, <laughs> I, I got, all right, moving on. I got one last question before we wrap it up. This is for all of you, please. Um, who should the Seahawks be worried about more and give me one reason why that the Cardinals, the Rams or the 49ers start with you, Matt, the Cardinals, the Rams or the 49ers. One the, reason why those well. are those are football teams, Matt. They they are they? Yes, yes. Are they? Yes, they're, really? They're, they're um, <laughs> I would have to say the way they're playing at the moment, the Rams. Um, they you know they still have the best the best um, defensive player in football, and they and they still have a, a a decent defense. They their offense is not as flashy as it once was, but is competent. Um, and, and they, I think they match up decently well against us. And, uh, you know, I, I think a guy like Cooper cup could, could, could succeed in our secondary. Um, the Cardinals are behind Kyler Murray, who I still am not sold on. And the 49ers are broken. They don't have anyone left. What about you, Rich? Um, it is the, the Rams and it's because there is only one quarterback in the NFL that has a higher yards per attempt than our own Russell Wilson. It is Jared Goff. Dun, dun, dun. It's nine, yeah. nine yards per, per pass versus <laughs> 8.9. Okay, and that that in, indicates to me that their offense is not just adequate. It's, it's actually very potent. They're just not passing the ball as much. They're running the ball on purpose, um, and they're keeping Goff protected so that he can pick his spots and, you know, complete passes at a 71% clip. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty dang good. I would Abraham. say, I would say that I, I'm going to have to complete the trifecta here. I worry about the LA Rams the most. That's not to say that I don't think the Arizona Cardinals will eviscerate us. They will. Our defense can't stop, can't stop those receivers with, you know, Hopkins and Fitzgerald, et cetera. Um, but, there's no defense left on that on that Cardinal squad. Chandler Jones out for the season. Patrick Peterson a shell of what he used to be, and you know they got rid of Dion Buchanan. They got rid of uh, the only guy they got left that I think is any good is Buda Baker in that in that backfield. Um, but they can't stop anybody. And well, I guess neither can the Seahawks. But I definitely don't think we can stop Tyler Higby, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods in that passing game uh, that the that the Rams have. That's going to be real. That's going to be a shootout, and like Matt said, number one defensive player in all of football, maybe just the best football player in all of football, and that's and that's uh, Aaron Donald. I will add to that real quick. I, whatever a four is it a foursome or whatever um, <laughs> the Ram I, I the Grand agree. Slam go pick. for the Grand Slam the Grand Slam. There we go. I I go with the Rams as well. One reason Sean McVay. I think he's a hell of a coach, and he does he produces the best out of what is given to him. And like you said, Aaron Donald, best football, you know defensive player in the NFL. 
And one other guy you mentioned on offense, you forgot to mention is that I forget his first name, but Everett is the tight end. He's past Higby on the depth chart. And oh yeah. Gerald Everett. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Gerald, he's kicking yeah. us too. So, but it sounds like we all agree that the Rams. Well, the standings would agree with that too. Do, do, you know, in second do, place. do you know what this means? What? This means that we sweep the Rams and lose all four against the Niners and the Cardinals. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No. I thought I thought you were going to say it was it was a sign of the apocalypse because we were all agreeing. Oh, there's but, uh, you, you should get another direction. <laughs> with that with that said, we usually give shout outs at the end. I just want to. I mean, this is not sports related, but I, I do have to give a shout out to my wife. She's been a trooper lately, and and I, she's listening in. I, I hope she's listening in. But. <laughs> no, I mean like she's in the room behind you right now or something. <laughs> she's had a lot of shit to deal with, so I just want to give her props. So that's my shout out. I'd like to give a shout out to our very own host, Brian the Soul Man Solak. It's his birthday. Now, I don't know if that's really an achievement. Anybody can get old. It's not that hard. It's it on the 30th. It's on the 30th. Yeah. yeah, the 30th. Yeah. yeah. Then I take it all he's, back. He's getting ahead of yourself. I take back the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. He's, it's a thought that counts. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> but now he's taking the thought back, too. Oh, well. Survival Survival is a skill. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Hey, uh, do you have any shout-outs? Um, no, not right now. <laughs> How, about, <laughs> How about you, Matt? Um... No, other than to locally remind you to support your local teams, buy their merch, the ones especially that are hurting for uh, money-wise because of the canceled season of baseballs, particularly the Aqu- Everett Aqua Sox, the Bellingham Bells, uh, other local teams. I want to give a shout-out also to Storm, what, going, going to the world champions again. That was awesome. Uh, and uh, congrats. I think maybe we congratulated them last week, but I'm doing it again. I don't care. They're pretty awesome. Right. Um, I, I will actually throw in a shout out now. Now that you guys mentioned it with the local teams, um, Tacoma has two great soccer teams, uh, and one of the best places to watch them is Cheney Stadium. And uh, so the Tacoma Defiance are the Sounders affiliate uh, in the lower league, and then the, the women's team, the Rain, um, that were uh, parked, uh, been purchased by a conglomerate from France, but. Uh, they still have uh, the best player in the world, uh, Megan Rapino. Right on. Great. Thanks, well, guys, for your input this week. Sorry to interrupt. No, Anyways, no, that's fine. fine. <laughs> it's the end of the show. Interrupt away. <laughs> <laughs> You're the host. You control it. <laughs> no, I put Abraham in his place. It's fine. We all enjoy it. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, right. for joining us this week. This is Seattle Sports Union. Your host today was Brian the Soul Man Solak. Thank you to special guest star Rich Michelson for joining us this week, as well with Rob English, Matthew Page, and myself, Abraham DeWeese. We thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Have a good week, guys. <laughs>